if a club is ignoring you and you want to get in there, try producing a show there. We have something in New York called Bringer Shows and in New Jersey, do you have them there? We do, but we don't charge people. So we do free Bringer Shows where someone has to bring okay. someone in. So, but instead of being a bringer on a Bringer Show, be a big bringer, produce a show, bring comics that'll bring, you be in charge. So go to the club, go to the booker, say, I want to put up a show here. I will get at least 20 people in these seats. Ah, and yeah, because that's what they care about, the, mon the numbers. And know that that's what people care about. Uh, I had somebody, I, I was in a class with somebody, I was taking editing classes and somebody came up to me and he was like, I want to get into comedy and I know I'm funny, but anytime they try to book me, they tell me I had to have to bring people. Is there anywhere you can get up just because you're funny? And I asked him to take a step back and really look at it from everyone else's perspective. What does the club want? What does the booker want? If you, you have to think about what everybody involved in what you're doing wants in order to get any traction. Telling people what you want isn't gonna help. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're funny, unless you are so funny, they can't deny you. If you are so funny, they can't deny you, they won't deny you, no problem. But you have to get to that point, right? That's what Steve Warren said. So you have to get to that point. What else can you bring them? Can you book the booker? Get your own show and book the booker or the show you wanna do. Can you make the club notice? You make the club notice you by making the club money. Ah, okay, I see. Yeah, like don't make excuses for the obstacles, find ways around it. Yes, I hear yeah. that a lot of people, people say that they moan about the situation, they moan about that. No, you find a way and you sort it out. Yeah, if you're, if you're looking, it's again, it's the same thing. If you're looking to come in, be treated well, and be taken care of and do a good job, you should do something other than comedy. Comedy isn't like that. It just doesn't work that way. You should do something else. Yeah, what can you give as well? It's not about what you can gain. So like, yeah. if you're a copywriter or something, you could help the promoter by writing this. Or if, 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 you're, if you're a designer, you could give them a discount on designing this. If you're a web developer, you could do this. If you're a good promoter, you could do this. Right. Right, exactly. So like, what can, like I, I made the example earlier with driving Vanessa to gigs. Yeah, I think one thing I find in performing arts is that a lot of us, a lot of performers, not everyone, but a lot of performers have the mindset of what can I get? And they think of like yeah. manipulation or they think of all these funny things, but they don't think of like, that's the wrong attitude. You, for yeah. both sides to be winners, you think, what can I get and what can I give them? Because otherwise, it's, it's, it's a toxic relationship. Right. And it's really simple. If you're making the club money, the club's going to like you and want you there. Right. I'm going to start. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Marvin's World podcast, a podcast where we speak to fascinating and tantalizing people where they help people like you and me make what we love a full-time job. If you like the podcast, please give us a review on iTunes and Amazon and share it with your friends. If you didn't, well, please give me, uh, don't, don't say anything really. <laughs> um, today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Sharon Simon. She is a comedian on the New York scene and I believe she's from Washington Heights. Is that right? Yeah, that's where I'm living right now. That's where I've been living for some time. And yet she's here to grace us in like how, how the New York scene has been since the corona and just tell us what it's like to, you know, she, she is actually, a, she actually is an expert pizza maker as well. And <laughs> Where did you get that? No, I was joking. <laughs> I'm so bad at cooking and I'm vegan. So nobody would want to eat my pizza. It would have like, it would have <laughs> nut cheese on it. There'd be no meat. But she, yeah, she's a professional comedian and we're looking forward to finding out about her. Hello, Sharon. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you. Uh, so uh, what's your favorite meal to cook? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite meal to cook is um coffee actually the coffee meal because i know how to make coffee i know i won't mess it up 
I really, I barely cooked at all before, before COVID. I just would do my gigs. And then after I would get takeout and bring it home. But since this is going on, I have been cooking. I did make stuffing for Thanksgiving. I made a salad, which isn't cooking, but you know, salad's really annoying to make a lot of cutting. Maybe little helps, doesn't it, Sharon? Yeah, that's true. I enjoyed making stuffing. I enjoyed eating stuffing a lot more than making it, though. Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so where do you see your path? Are you going to be a Michelin star chef soon? or? <laughs> I actually, you should go on my YouTube page. I have a couple of cooking videos that show exactly how I cook, that show my method of cooking. Okay. <laughs> No worries. I'll have a look. Plug them in at the end. So, that, <laughs> Sharon, uh, just, 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 uh, yeah. Tell us about yourself. Introduce us. Introduce okay. So, um, I've been a comic for close to twenty years. I live in New York City. I was playing most of the major clubs right before COVID hit. I had a lot of headlining gigs lined up right before COVID hit. But because of COVID, I took a couple of months to sort of regroup, but I didn't regroup for that long. I created a bunch of stuff online. I have an online dating show that I do, sort of like the dating game, very, very retro, where comics compete for a date with a non-comic. And I do online, I do other online stuff and um, I'm still getting out there as best I can. Uh, I was on Saturday Night Live when I was nine years old. So it's kind of like I peaked at nine and it's just been me trying to get back to there since. Oh, okay. And like, could so tell us a bit, how how did you manage to get a spot on Saturday Night Live at nine years old? <laughs> I had a manager and I was auditioning and I was, they were looking for uh, like, they were looking for children that spoke like little adults, which I did. So I got, I got, I got the part, uh, you know, it was something, it's different as a child. If you have a parent who's helping you pursue, it's very easy in a way, but as adults, we have to set time aside to do the things that are going to earn us money. And sometimes those things we do to earn money will take us away from having the time to pursue the things we really want to do. So it took me a long time to get back to a place where I had a way to earn money that would enable me to pursue everything else. So now I'm a, I'm an, a minister, I'm a marriage officiant. Oh. So I make a very large portion of my income through officiating weddings, which I love doing, and they're all on the weekends. So I've been much more productive and I was like, I was sort of on cloud nine in February. My God, how is it though? Like when you're doing like marriages, I mean, you must sneak a few jokes in here now. I bet you do. Yeah, yeah. I let them know that I am a comic and that I will add some humor to it. I let them know that they don't have to let me have me add humor if they don't want to. <laughs> oh, it must be a great practice ground in a way. You get lots of stage time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's easier than stand-up comedy because you don't need a reaction to know that they're happy and you can read off a page. In that way, it's a lot easier. It's harder in that it's different every time. I write each ceremony for for each couple. I write it to their to their specifications, their religion, their their relationship, all of that. And it's also harder in that. Have you ever had like a really bad set? And after it, just kind of laugh to yourself, like, so what? Oh, you know, yes. if, like, if you don't do well, so what? But if you don't do well at a wedding, it's a big deal. So every, every single wedding has to be perfect. Whereas stand-up, you can, you can take some risks. You can't with the wedding. They have to be happy. Ah, so you, you've got to make sure no, <laughs> no, no, no sex jokes. <laughs> People have asked me to, to as well. And I'm like, your grandparents are going to be there. Are you sure? You really? Well, you know, grandparents did it too. So. Uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, so you, it's clear you've got a fascinating story here. And I really want to sort of, that is amazing. So nine years old. And like, did you leave stand up for a while and come back to it? So how, how did it go after that? So I didn't, I wasn't doing stand up then. I was auditioning. I was just a child auditioning. I 
I thought I was going to be a serious actress. I moved out to Los Angeles and really pursued it heavily. I auditioned. I was extremely unsuccessful. And then after 9-11 happened, I realized how unhappy I was. And so I decided to try it. And I was terrible the first time I tried it. I got drunk and thought that I would just read the things that I wrote and it would be great. And it was awful. So I went to an open mic at Hamburger Harry's, which was a big thing back then. Uh, Gladdy Simon, who's moved on to work at uh, the comic strip, but she really is somebody who helped develop comedians. I did her open mic and I just did crowd work. I didn't do any material and I realized what I had. And so from there, I started doing it very regularly. There have been large, large gaps in my pursuit of comedy to sort of explore other areas of my life because of just, I wasn't, I wasn't um, getting the success I wanted. So I, I wouldn't say I ever gave up entirely. I became, a, I guess, a hobbyist in certain years, uh, like the kind of person who did it like once a week. But I would say I've been doing it very heavily for the past three years and had done it very heavily for the first five years. And then the years in between, it was one year with a lot of passion and then I would hold back on a year. But now from what I'm seeing, because after 20 years, obviously I have some friends who have been very successful. I have a better idea of what it takes and what it means to get there. And a lot of it has to do with not doing the same things all the time. Okay, and how did your friends sort of? Can I ask who your friends are, and may I ask what did what, what did you learn from them? So I don't have any famous friends, so I don't think I have any any friends that are known in England. So I, it wouldn't matter to say their names, but what I'm what I've seen from the people around me is to just be fearless and to pursue if you. Okay, I'll make this, this, this might make it, make it make more sense. When I was first uh, on quarantine here in New York, I spent a lot of time watching Netflix specials, like comics yeah. who have Netflix specials. And I saw some comics that were so much funnier than me. It was undeniable. And I saw some comics who were not as strong as what you would typically see in an open mic in New Jersey. So some of it really has to do with being fearless all the time. Okay. So it, it's, it's, so you feel that, okay. So it was more them taking chances and putting themselves out there and really mm -hmm. sort of grafting it. Like even if you don't think you're ready, having a pop and just seeing where mm -hmm. it goes. And just doing it anyway. I put things up on Instagram and on Facebook constantly, even if they're not great. Because just because I think they're not great doesn't mean somebody else won't. What I think is funny, I my the jokes that I write that I think are the funniest don't do well. So I just put everything out there and I put a lot of work. And then I'll give you another example. I was working with a group of comedians for three years. I would do three shows, three shows a week with the same group of comedians. Nobody in that group broke further. We all got stronger as comedians, but none of us got further anywhere. You, you don't go any further by continuing to do what you're doing. You have to do something else. And what do you mean by that? So like for, for a few years, you may try this, but what you're saying that you should try. Could you elaborate in that? Because all I got in my head now is like you're saying do something different. So right. I didn't get there with boxing, so now I'm going to be a bodybuilder sort of thing. Mm -hmm. No, um, it's more it's more like, so let's say you you are a regular at club, at the, the comedy club on the corner near you, right? So every Friday you perform there and you have an opportunity to open for somebody for no money three hours away. And you have to drive three hours away to open for somebody in an unknown place where you where it's everything's unfamiliar it's smarter to do that than to stay where you are every week nothing's going to happen if you keep doing what you're doing you should 
push yourself to do things that are outside of what's normal for you. Yes. If you work with new people, even if it's a trek to get there, you may make a new connection that can lead ultimately to money. <clears throat> yeah, you never know where things are going to lead. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. But the same thing you do all the time with the same people is going to lead to more of that. That's what I'm saying. Okay. And so what? what's... With your sort of 20 years in comedy, were they all in New York? No, I was in Los Angeles for some of them. Okay, and, and how would you compare the two scenes as a whole? I love L.A. Right before the pandemic hit, I was hoping to travel to L.A. for a few weeks a year, every year. And maybe that'll be able to once this is over. L.A.'s easier in many respects. It's easier to make people laugh I find in LA, I find the audiences in LA to be less politically correct. They're, they're less likely to be angry at you for what you're saying. They're, they, they want to have a good time. And people in LA are sort of, um, it's phony, but they're nicer. So that's not good for friendships, I don't think. I don't think it's good to be friends with somebody who's nice, but phony. But for an audience, it's just easy. They want to have a good time. They want to like you. Whereas in New York, they don't want to. So it's challenging, huh? you know? Because they're like, go ahead, give it a try, you know? Impress me, you mean? Impress me, yeah. So if you're in New York and you're accustomed to dealing with that kind of audience all the time, and then you go where people are nicer, it's so easy. And then, uh. and then you drive everywhere. So in New York on a good night, a comic can do three or four sets just in New York City. You can't necessarily do that in Los Angeles. Like you'll have your set wherever your set is and then might, you may go to one more place just to hang out, but that's really all you'll have time for. Okay. Everything's spread out. And how do you sort of progress in the scenes in New York and LA and you're, you're primarily sort of New York based am I right absolutely yes yes do your own thing absolutely I, I I can't stress that enough do your own thing do not wait for people to help you don't look for people to help you do your own thing if you do your own thing and you do it well other people will want to back you they'll want to book you they'll want to work with you but if you are just sitting there being funny and not pursuing anything you have to be so exceptionally funny, striking, noticeable in the industry. Hi. That's my mum. Okay, say hello. Hi. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Me and dad go to Okay, okay. Yeah, we go to Okay, thank, thank you. Uh, yeah. one. So. You can't go in the cover for Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's <you>. awesome. <laughs> I've had a few of those situations. It happens. I had to move back in with the parents. So occasionally yeah. when I'm doing a podcast, my parents are walking. It's all good. One of one of my first podcasts I had my dad call in all the time. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's so yes, so you're primarily New York based and like we'll talk about how to progress in should I ask you just in New York because you would know more. Yeah. Just how, how do you I mean it's, I'm I still have connections in LA, but I'm not I'm not an LA comic. I'm not a bicoastal comic. I'm just someone who used to live there who was there last year. Okay. I'm in New York. I also have a lot of familiarity with the other cities with I have a car. So I have knowledge of the areas around me, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Connecticut. And, and how, how do you go about sort of progressing? Like I hear you have the college circuit in the US and you, ha you, got, you have road comics and like, how does that sort of balance with sort of progressing in the New York scene? It has no, they have nothing to do with each other. <clears throat> nothing at all. Okay. They're different, they're different games. I'm in both games. For, for a very good reason. I have a car and you can't do that road stuff 
easily without a car, but the colleges and road gigs pay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but the a lot of the ones in New York don't <laughs> compared to the, compared you, you to you get paid in you get paid in New York, but not the same not not nearly as much and you don't do nearly as much time so if you're looking to be a headliner it's going to take you a really long time that's one of the nice things about the creek and the cave is they did these showcase shows but most of the clubs in the city don't or at least don't often the most time you're usually going to get is 20 minutes in new york city whereas once you leave the city you'll be doing a half hour to an hour Ooh. Ah, oh, that's bloody awesome in a way, because in the UK, that's the maximum you get 20 minutes. So that's what New York is. And that's not always. That's not always. But the maximum is usually 20 minutes. So if you want to learn how to be a headliner, you have to leave the city. Ah, okay. But if you want to learn how to be sharp and original, you have to be in the city. How, so how does it work in the, com in the road comics? How do you get to those sort of gigs and how does that work? One of the first things a lot of people do if they have a car is let headliners and features know that they have a car because the headliners and features themselves might not have one. They need people to drive them. <clears throat> so sometimes, and this is one of the things I used to, uh, you may have heard of Vanessa Hollingshead because she is in, she is in England sometimes. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So Vanessa one of the, Yep. So one of the things that I did is I used to drive her everywhere so that I could do five minutes and also run my material by her and get to know bookers. Ah. And then she got a ride there. You know, I'd pick her up and I would drive her home. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, it, that's that's a good, in a way, it's a good deal. I think it's yeah. at least... The, th the sort of relationship that isn't right though is where one person is just like hanging on or like where it's just one person gaining from it but at least in that way yeah, you're... yeah but this is we both yeah. we both end up winning yeah. from that situation yeah. people from new jersey have cars i'm from new jersey so the fact that i have a car and i drive makes sense because of that people from new york don't have cars don't know how to drive as a rule oh really <laughs> Some do, but it just as a rule. It is a mad place. You know, I've not had a New York cabbie yet, but I would like to give it a go at some point. Mm, I wouldn't. <laughs> the things are different now. Right now, I think it would actually not be a bad job as long as people wear masks. Uh, a lot less traffic. And so, and you do that, and then how does it sort of go? Is that what how the road circuit works? You just say you got a car and then you just progress to doing road gigs? And... That's only one way people do it. Another way people do it is by, by becoming very successful and known in New York. And then people know their name. Like if you have a if you have a credit on something like Last Comic Standing that goes viral, people will want you in their town. The problem with it going that way is if you are a primarily a New York comic, the longest you've ever done is 20 minutes. And somebody in Pennsylvania hires you to do an hour. What do you You're do then? You're not ready. It's not even, you could be brilliant, but being on stage and holding it for an hour is its own thing. It's different. <clears throat> you Ooh. just, you just need to practice doing it like anything else. That is really interesting what you said there, because in, in, in the UK, we have a lot of these um, comedy festivals where people do hour shows. So like in the Edinburgh mm -hmm. festival, you can do 28 shows for an hour, no matter who you are. And then you've got all these short spots you can do throughout the city. And then you... I have to come there sometime and do that. I would absolutely love to do that sometime. Oh, it's amazing. It will help sharpen things. Yeah, whoever you are. It's a benefit to anyone. And they also have a lot of short festivals within the UK that aren't 28 days, but you can do an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so there's places where you can practice that and hone your skill. You you want to hone your skill places where people aren't going to see it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, exactly, because then there's no pressure. And that's maybe the thing you say about going too quickly. Yeah. You can't experiment if there's pressure. You can't, part of 
part of really the challenge in comedy always has been, but much more so now in the past three years than ever before, is pushing the envelope without offending people. <clears throat> Going right to that edge. But you won't know where you can get away with until you practice it. And until you offend the, you, and I think you will, if you're pushing it a bit, you probably will offend a few audiences occasionally. It will happen. You will. Yeah, you will. You have to be okay with that. But, but then there's also these comics. I've worked with comics who are like, I'll offend them. I don't care. Fuck them. Like you're, they're paying to see you. They want to have a good time. If you're trying to offend everybody there, they're not going to have a good time. Yeah, it's it's about them. I think when it's a comedy is a performing art. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about the audience. Yeah. It's always about them. It's not about you. Absolutely. And may I ask you also, how does the sort of college circuit work? Because I hear that like the corporate circuits in the UK, they pay triple or quadruple what people normally yeah. get. Yeah, they pay. They pay well. Um, sometimes they're super, super fun. Sometimes they're super, super awful. Sometimes you're in their their uh, their theater and they're happy to see you. And sometimes you're in the cafeteria. <laughs> that reason. Well, I, I hear, um, what's his face? Uh, yeah, I, I heard you. I heard this story about Nimesh Patel, who um, he did some joke about like gay isn't a choice because if it was a choice, the worst the thing you couldn't be is black and gay. But he said it in a way that you know it didn't come across the right way. It was just a joke, and it's a very good joke the way he said right. it. But they were completely mortified by it. So I have some jokes that I used to tell that I don't tell anymore. I'm not going to tell them here. I'm just, I'm scared to tell them. They were always just jokes. Just meant to make people laugh. We are a bit too sensitive now. And I think one thing that is, yeah, I think people should be able to tell the difference between when someone's trying to be offensive, not caring, and someone's just trying to be funny. That should and be I not just the words. And I think that level has to do with how many people in the room you offend. If you offend everybody there, what are you doing? If you offend one person, then it's on them. If you offend everybody, it's on you. You like the, yeah. uh, it is, it is in a way. What? So could you tell me a story, some sto good, sto good and bad stories of performing colleges? Um, so, I mean, good stories are not interesting. You get to the gig on time. They're happy to see you. They put you up. Um, one of this, I guess, is a good story. After performing, I had a group of college students really enjoy the show and they invited us back to their like their house where it was so college house, you know, co-ed, everyone's sleeping in different spots. They had a pet rat. We hung out with them and had a really nice time. I happen to love animals, so oh. it's always a treat for me to meet like a new animal. So that's a good story. Um, I have I I have in my head uh, a time of performing in a cafeteria with nobody listening and still having to do forty five minutes, having to stand there as students are studying. They don't want me there. Who wants you in the cafeteria? I don't know why they think that, but they do that sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, that's quite funny. It doesn't make any sense. People, why do they want you to performing when they're having their their lunch or dinner or like the, <clears throat> they come specifically to see a show? So you're disrupting their studying and their sort of social time. But it's a, a lot of times people who book shows don't necessarily understand. <clears throat> excuse me, what what they're doing and how it's going to affect what they're doing so i do roasts for birthdays i love doing roasts for birthdays half hour tops and then you're out but sometimes they'll call you and be like can you do an hour long show for my friend's birthday nobody wants that they want to party they want to talk to each other they don't want to watch a show they want to they want to gather and spend time with each other so that's why things like that have to be short but people don't necessarily know what's going to work that's why it's part of our job is to sort of tell them 
Okay. And how how does it sort of work in terms of getting college gigs? College gigs are like are like anything else. You know who books colleges? You'll get gigs there. Um, it's the same networking as anything else. There is uh, NAFCA. I think it is. I think it's called. There's a thing you can go to in Florida and audition for like everything. I've never done that um, because getting being a college comedian has is not it's not a priority in in the way that I would spend that kind of money just on that because all colleges do is make you money hmm. it yeah. doesn't get you long-term leverage no and that's why that and that's probably one of the challenges of being a comedian in New York because you've got to balance that with like developing your craft in the city mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then doing those out of town gigs and then you got to go to gigs where in like open mics where they treat you terribly and most people ignoring your set yeah open mics are rough if you're if you're looking to do open mics to practice to hone your skill the best thing you can do for yourself or go to open mics that are not comedy open mics that are for music and poetry because musicians and poets will be so happy to see you ah yes i remember seeing one open mic in new york where it was a mix and they all all the comedians sort of went around there and like mm-hmm. yeah the comedy was that whoa they really don't give a shit no. the thing is especially if a new joke and you're developing it that's mm-hmm. one of other comics like you'll be put off straight away i think maybe you should do a joke like that when you've developed it and you've had it grow and then you can test it but you but you have to test it somewhere and then comics laugh at very different things than normal people Oh my God, yes. Like comics would laugh at very dark and extreme things, which mm-hmm. everyone else would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> right. So you can't even necessarily test it. It's some, some things that may be hacky to you and I are going to get you a lot of leverage on the road. And if you're ever stuck in a hole, you know, so you need like both. And I don't think, I don't think you can, the sad thing is, is you have to go to open mics to develop. It's like a, a conundrum. But you can't really totally develop there. You have to develop at shows. The thing with New York is I find funny because I went there a while ago when I wasn't really ready. But it's a good thing mm-hmm. that I went there because no one will remember you and all that. And <laughs> the, the other comedian that I went there with, he also come from the London circuit and he was doing it and he was trying to work it out. But the thing is, you don't go to New York until you sort of sort it out and where you are. But you've got to be funny in where you are first before you go to New York. I mean, Pete okay. Davidson started in New York and wasn't necessarily ready, but the safer bet, you need to get ready before you go to New York. People hear stories of like Pete Davidson and then they think that's normal. It's not. Pete Davidson was doing comedy for about six months or something ridiculously short. He got very, very lucky very quickly. It's very unlikely. Yeah, it's, it's, you should, and people shouldn't think of it like that. It's no. just, yeah, you got to, you got to build the smart thing in America. I like it is that they, a lot of comics build their stuff in a smaller city before they go to New York. And that's the right way to do it. Cause you've got to know your stuff before you go to New York. New York's got the best comedians from all over the world and from all over America. And it's like the best of the best. And like, you can't go in being half baked cause you're going to get roasted. I, I didn't have that option. This is where I'm from. I'm from right outside of New Ooh. York and New Jersey. So I live in, I'm from a place called Hudson County, which is like, if if you've heard of Jersey City yeah, or Hoboken. So it's like right outside of the city. It's like part of the city. So I grew up in it. I didn't have the chance to develop somewhere else. I had to start right from the gate. Whoa, that's a, so how did you manage to sort of, how how did you manage to adapt? I suppose you obviously because of that you had to think outside the box to get yourself there. Things were really different twenty years ago. Really, really different. Ah, okay. Wildly different. Being a comic wasn't cool then. Okay, so you be- understand. <laughs> being a comic wasn't cool. Being into sci-fi wasn't cool. Being smart wasn't cool. It was a small group of us. So where I messed up was, is in the breaks that I took and in not believing myself and in not, I had a few opportunities. I don't want to get into what they are, but I had a few opportunities I turned down because other comics convinced me I wasn't ready. Huge regrets with those things. 
but comedy was a small world. Now every cute person with a quirky sense of humor does comedy. And I'm not saying a cute person with a quirky sense of humor can't become funny, but it's less likely that they'll become actually to the core funny as the weirdos that are geared toward making jokes, the people who have spent their entire lives turning things that hurt into humor are usually the people who can make everybody laugh hysterically. Hmm. Does that make sense? People who have made it, who have struggled along it, along it will are, are more better equipped, you feel? At comedy, like there's a lot of models in comedy now. So, because you're beautiful and you have a cute laugh. People like to look at you. That doesn't make you funny. It's very, you know. If, yeah, there's some some people, I remember when I went to LA, Mike, and they said something very brutal. They said either you're, um, what's it called? You're funny or you're good looking and you can't be both. <laughs> well, it's not that you can't be both and there are people who like are both and, but yeah. it's, you know, I was on a show in LA. I was on a show with a, somebody who had been the centerfold that month in um, like one of the major men's magazines. She was about 19 years old. I don't know how she is going to come up with the material that makes anybody who's had any life struggles laugh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are, as you say, both, but it's it's part of what makes a good comedian is the struggle, I think. Yeah, like you say, and the mm -hmm. story and saying things that people can relate to. Right, right. So if you've lived a charmed life, you're not going to have those same experiences. So 20 years ago, the comics that were in New York and the scene that was in New York was maybe... Not quite an eighth, but not quite a quarter of the size it is now. Mm. It's more than quadrupled. Maybe it's six times larger. That's, I would say it's like six times larger now than it was then. If, if you were to sort of say a number of New York comedians, would you say there's maybe 10,000 doing it? Because I, I remember doing the mics there. There was loads. And I was thinking like the amount of comedians doing open mic in New York could easily be big as the whole England comedy circuit. It's possible. I'm not sure. Uh, I do know this, that if I am on a showcase show now, there's a high likely, you know what I mean by a showcase show? If oh, 20 I'm, minutes. Um, any show where there's more than five comics. Okay. So any show, if I'm on a show in Pennsylvania and it's a host a middle, a guest spot, and a headliner, that's that's a standard comedy show. But any show that there's like, you know, like 10 comics doing 10 minutes, stuff like that. I believe that if I'm on a show with 10 comics, I will not know at least three of them. Minimum of three of them I will have never have heard of. I've been a comic for 20 years. I live in New York. If I'm on a showcase show in New York, at least three of the comics on the show I will have never heard of. Uh, 20 years ago, any show I was on, I knew everybody and everybody knew me. Ah. Because it was so much smaller that we just all knew each other. Be like a new person would come. Oh, look, a new person. Everybody would introduce themselves. Whereas now no one cares because you don't, you don't know who's gonna come and go. And from my perspective, until somebody who's been doing it for five years, they're dabbling. So many people do it for just a few years and then stop. And I don't blame them because you, you hear stories. If, if somebody's drawn in by stories of, of things like Pete Davidson, they're not going to say because that's so unlikely. And, you know, if you want to look at like a real success story, I would think it's better to look at Mike Vecchion. Do you know who he is? Mike Vecchion. I have heard of the name. Let me have a look. Mike Vecchion. How do you spell it? I can't spell anything. Terrible at spelling. 
Theon comedian. Like he should what? come up if you start googling. Vic, Vic, Vicion, right? Vicion. Okay, new. I'll find him at some point. I think you'll find him. But he was actually in the last Pete Davidson movie, and like a story like his is more what comics should look at in terms of what success actually looks like. He's somebody who's been a comic at least twenty years, if not a tiny bit longer. Worked his ass off the entire time. Still works really hard. He is a known name in the comedy circuit in New York City. He plays all the major clubs. I think he makes a decent living through um, some levels of fame with podcasts and headlining throughout the world. And he has a very successful career, something to be very, very proud of. And I'm not saying that anybody can get to that point, but he worked hard for a long time and became successful. It's, that's more what it looks like. Whereas Pete Davidson within six months just blew up blew up yeah he is he is a pretty good looking fellow i will say that <laughs> pete davidson yeah and very lucky he's very lucky he's lucky he's really lucky i'm not and what i'm saying is not to take anything away from him the amount of pressure and stress on somebody going from from here to here the fact that he's been able to manage it is huge. It's very impressive. And he works very hard and he's very funny. It's just that what happened to him is so unlikely. And if you look at that and hope for that, you're not going to be able to maintain what it takes to actually become successful. Whereas if you look at somebody like Mike Vecchione, who I did, who I remember from when I first started, if you look at his, his career, you're better prepared for what's in store for you. How does the how does the New York scene? So you say that LA is a lot nicer, but how mm. does the how does the structure of LA differ to the New York comedy scene? Uh, so I would I think that there's more. Uh, and this has changed a bit, but there is more importance on fame than anything else in LA. I was on a show with a guy whose credit was that he had a tweet that went viral. And I've been on many shows with people whose tweets have gone viral, but in New York, I've never heard it used as a credit. <laughs> oh god i've never been on a show with a with a with a centerfold in new york city you know that's just so it's just it's different the way they they look at things and the way they want things to be but it's just i don't i don't think it's as cutthroat because a lot of people there they're there because they think comedy is going to help them get movies, get TV shows, and it might, um, but that's what they're more, it's more about that. Whereas in New York, there are more people doing comedy for the sake of doing comedy. Because they like making people laugh and it's their thing, they, they chose it, they didn't like. Yeah, or it chose them. <laughs> it's like destiny. Yeah. And so Michael Vacchione and it's great to have a story like Michael Vacuum because that's inspirational and that sort of motivates people to go and do it and see. And he's like, great. Like I've I've been blessed to be on a lot of shows with him. He's brilliant. So you you strive to be that good too. And he, it must. We got quite a few sort of stories of that in the UK as well. Like we got Mickey Flanagan that took twenty years. We got um, Sean Lock that took fifteen years to get famous, but. Yeah, you, you don't often hear that much about the people like to always plaster the ones that had it lighter. They don't always want to yeah. show the real grittiness of it all. Well, it's if if you're trying to advertise, I don't know why, but like if you were advertising comedy as an as a career choice, you would use Pete Davidson as your as your as your spokesperson. Look at me. I tried some open mics for six months and now I'm rich and famous you would use that as the spokesperson for what it can be like. You wouldn't use somebody like me. 
living in Washington Heights. And I love Washington Heights. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love where I am. I love my life. And I feel grateful for everything that I have. But you wouldn't use me as a spokesperson for comedy. Yeah. Because the, the, well, you think it because it, it's more appealing to have someone that's young and that got it quicker and that mm -hmm. it, it's easy to lure people into the industry and maybe mm -hmm. take advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it plays on people's sort of mindset of thinking, oh, I'm special. I don't have to do this. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I'm really funny. My grandma finds me. I'm, and this is not a testament on, on Pete Davidson, but I just think that's why you hear about it more than you hear about people like um, Judy Gold just came out with a book. I can't wait to read it. It's in my, I have a few things I have to read before it, but like she's had like a huge, long successful career with ups and downs like you would hear what which is what it looks like you know i've it's uh i've i've done a lot of shows at west side comedy club and i've had the opportunity to work with comedians like judy gold and including judy gold and when you see somebody come on the stage at that level there's a power behind her that i do not have not yet that i strive to have mm. And it's good to have those sort of idols. And yeah. yeah, I think people also are speaking to a former comedian called Delaney Fisher. Do you know her? Mm -mm. She was an LA comic for six years, pro comic, and she quit comedy because she decided it wasn't for her. Mm -hmm. And she also at points wanted to get into acting. And she, what she did was she actually spoke to a professional comedian, so a professional actor to see if it was mm -hmm. for her or not. And I think a lot of the times when we're chasing a goal, we're not chasing what we truly want. Like we need to, people, when they say they want to be an actor or they want to be a comedian or they want to be a musician or whatever, <laughs> what they should do, they need to find out what it really takes just to be a professional in that industry and see if it's worth going through. Never mind being the top dog or whatever. Find out, is it worth doing? Because otherwise you're wasting your own time and you're wasting everyone else's right. time. If you say you want to be an actor and you're not prepared to do this or that, then you just... Well, you're wasting everyone's yeah. time well you have to love doing it for the sake of doing it because half the time you do it it's gonna suck and that do you, do you find that sometimes with um when you're as being an experienced comic do you do you can you see that in some people like some people that are gonna do this for a long time and some people that are just gonna probably leave it after a while I see it in people who've been doing it as long as me who are complaining about the opportunities that are available in my area during COVID. They don't want to do what's available. This is all that's available. The clubs are closed. We can perform on a roof. We can perform in a parking lot. We can perform in the park or we cannot perform at all. Yeah, we need so to practice. And I'm seeing people who've been doing it as long as me being like, I'm not standing in a pile of dirt performing comedy. Okay, well then you're not performing comedy right now. So when when those of us who are pushing ourselves are getting continuing to get traction, you're not going to. It's the choice you're making. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that choice, but it just, you might not love it that much. You might just love it when it's good. It's not always good. Ah. That's that's the truth. Yeah, maybe that's. Hmm. And... It's funny. That's what love is in a way, because love is a love is a verb and an action and a feeling that you have for someone or something, no matter what. Not just when it's good. Oh, no, that's. I a love big my question. parrot. My parrot yells at me. You've probably heard her a few times. She yells at me and she bites me. Ooh. I love her all the time. And that's quite a philosophical question there, because I feel at what point do you feel it's too much then? Which by like unconditional love? What what do you mean by that? Like you mean if you truly love something, you go through a lot of crap for them. Yes. Um, when when the crap is abuse. So if you're continuing to pursue comedy and you're terrible at it and you never do well and you've been doing it over 10 years, it's probably not for you. But if you still love it after 10 years and you're terrible about at it, you might as well do it anyway. Yeah, you may as well keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And 
one thing I noticed when I went to New York and did the open mics is that and other, some other comedians that have been to New York is that in the UK, because our audiences are generally nicer, even the open mic level, you there's a lot of comedians that are bad and then there's a lot of people, comedians that are in the middle and there's those that are really good. But I found that in New York, because the gigs were so much harder, mm. that comedians would either be really good or be really bad. And how does one sort of sort of progress to the clubs in New York and what what advice would you give to comedians that are struggling and that they need to change <laughs> it's, it's what I said before do your own thing find a place have your own show practice at your own show have at least one place a week you can get up with no pressure just do your thing and then so develop you can it practice and have no pressure so I don't, I don't think the open mics are, are as good for that as producing your own show. If a club is ignoring you and you want to get in there, try producing a show there. We have something in New York called Bringer Shows and in New Jersey, do you have them there? We do, but we don't charge people. So we do free Bringer Shows where someone has to bring okay. someone in. So, but instead of being a bringer on a Bringer Show, be a big bringer, produce a show, bring comics that'll bring you be in charge. So go to the club, go to the booker, say, I want to put up a show here. I will get at least 20 people in these seats. Ah, and yeah, because that's what they care about, the, mon the numbers. And know that that's what people care about. Uh, I had somebody, I, I was in a class with somebody, I was taking editing classes and somebody came up to me and he was like, I want to get into comedy and I know I'm funny, but anytime they try to book me, they tell me I had to have to bring people. Is there anywhere you can get up just because you're funny? And I asked him to take a step back and really look at it from everyone else's perspective. What does the club want? What does the booker want? If you, you have to think about what everybody involved in what you're doing wants in order to get any traction. Telling people what you want isn't gonna help. It doesn't matter if you're funny, unless you are so funny, they can't deny you. If you are so funny, they can't deny you, they won't deny you, no problem. But you have to get to that point, right? That's what Steve Warren said. So you have to get to that point. What else can you bring them? Can you book the booker? Get your own show and book the booker of the show you wanna do. Can you make the club notice? You make the club notice you by making the club money. Ah, okay, I see. Yeah. Like, don't make excuses for the obstacles. Find ways around it. Yes, I hear yeah. that a lot of people. People say that they moan about the situation. They moan about that. No, you find a way and you sort it out. Yeah, if you're if you're looking, it's again, it's the same thing. If you're looking to come in, be treated well, and be taken care of and do a good job, you should do something other than comedy. Comedy isn't like that. It just doesn't work that way. You should do something else. Yeah, what can you give as well? It's not about what you can gain. So like yeah. if you're a copywriter or something, you could help the promoter by writing this. Or if 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 you're if you're a designer, you could give them a discount on designing this. If you're a web developer, you could do this. If you're a good promoter, you could do this. Right, right, exactly. So like what kid like I, I made the example earlier with driving Vanessa to gigs. Yeah. I think one thing I find in performing arts is that a lot of us, a lot of performers, not everyone, but a lot of performers have the mindset of what can I get? And they think of like yeah. manipulation or they think of all these funny things, but they don't think of like, that's the wrong attitude. You, for yeah. both sides to be winners, you think, what can I get and what can I give them? Because otherwise it's, it's, it's a toxic relationship. Right, and it's really simple. If you're making the club money, the club's going to like you and want you there. Yeah. The people who own clubs are business people. They love artists. That's why they're in the arts, but they're also business people or else they wouldn't be able to maintain a business. Exactly. Yeah. And it's one thing. Yeah. I find that sometimes in the UK comedy scene, because there are some absolutely amazing comedians, some mm -hmm are even funnier than the ones I see on TV and why it's up there. But the thing is, because it's so funny and talented, they don't always bother to do anything about it. Right. 
Right. And I see them here right now in New York. There's a few people who've done a few things and are gaining some traction because this, that, or the other thing. And I've been a comic for 20 years. I've seen people shoot right up and shoot back down so many times. Ah, I, yeah, I noticed there's a big thing where people want to do things. Yeah, people, as you said there, when you're saying about what that guy was saying, that that's a good Would you? I, I apologize. I didn't realize how long we were going to go. I had somebody call in. Would you mind if I shot just a quick text message and let someone know I'll be another half hour? Sure, or I'll pause it. Yeah, we, 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 a lot of us have the mindset of that. Yeah, it's all, it's, it's have a very, um, they, people like to take shortcuts. Like I, I, I feel that there's a good form of laziness where you try and find a quicker way to do things, but you try yeah. and do things more efficiently. But then there's yeah, ones yeah. where you don't want to do any work at all and you just want to get other people to do the work. Right. So that it, it just isn't going to work. One of the things I have seen also is very well, people who've become very wealthy in other industries coming into comedy and thinking that they can buy their way in. They can buy their way to a certain point. They can but they can't buy themselves all the way there. So it's very frustrating for them. Ah, yeah, we have that in the UK too. We've got a few people who have been reality TV stars. Oh, I can be a comedian now. <clears throat> Apparently Madonna tried it. I apologize. Um, Apparently Madonna tried it not that long ago. I have to watch it. I haven't watched it, but apparently she tried it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I heard about it, and I'm, she's tried a lot of things. Yeah, but see, comedy isn't like a lot of things. I think that we're, I, I'm a terrible singer. My parents sent me to voice lessons as a kid, and I'm still not a good singer. I don't have that talent. But we can all sing as human beings. We all have the ability to sing. Not everybody has the ability to make people laugh. No. You really don't. It's like being able to ski jump. It's just, it's a, it's an odd talent. I don't know why I said ski jump, but ski jumping, that's not something everybody can do. No. I don't nope. know anybody who can ski jump. Do you? No, not yet. No. <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, we've got to be honest about our strengths and weaknesses. And I also find that a lot of comics try being too many to a certain thing even though it doesn't work for them because they think it's yeah. cool. Like a lot of comics that are my age are trying to talk about like Bill Burr or like David Chappelle, but they're in the forties or fifties. They know a lot about things. You're like 23 and you're in like skin tight jeans and you look like a 10 year old. Somebody, I didn't realize this and now I watch it on them. Somebody explained to me part of what, what goes on with those guys that, that I've been trying to incorporate myself but they say something very, very intelligent and very funny. And then after they say something that's very base and easy to understand. So that no matter where people are listening, they'll enjoy it. That makes sense? Like yeah. saying something about world politics and then following it up with a dick joke. Like they just, they go back and forth on it. Okay, so it's more accessible. Yeah to be accessible to everybody. So that, you know, I'm sure I, one of the, one of the specials I watched that was, I couldn't believe how amazing it was, was um, Colin Quinn's special. And I can't remember what it was called. It's done in the round. He doesn't have a microphone. It doesn't even look like stand up. It looks like a one person show. And it starts off very slow that you're like, is this funny? And it's brilliant and hilarious and unique. I can't recommend it more. Um, but it's interesting what you're saying with like starting from where you are and knowing who you are. And that's, that is, that is a huge part of it. You will see people who are in their late twenties talking about getting old to a audience filled with 50 year olds who are like. <laughs> well, that is quite funny. Uh, that could be a bit in itself there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's been great. Thank you for being so like forthright and honest on the podcast. My pleasure. Um, one of the sort of questions I would like to ask about is what do you feel that comedy has given you that other art forms didn't? 
So I, I told you before that I my parents sent me to singing lessons and I wasn't able to do them. I wasn't able to sing. My parent likes when I sing, but no one else does. I love to sing. I'm not good at it. I'm good at comedy. I was too good at it in the beginning to understand how hard I had to work. I regret that. I, I would give that advice to every young comedian. No matter how good you are at it, work twice as hard as you are good. I lost some of that edge as time went on because there's an edge to a beginning that you don't carry through, if that makes sense. What's, I don't, what's that like? Excitement? Yeah, yeah. That, it's exciting. How exciting is doing the same thing again and again? It's, 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 different, it's a different energy. I can bring that energy to everything I do now, but that took a whole arc of a life um, to get to that point. What it gives me that no other art forms, I'm meant to do this, otherwise I would not still be doing it. I, I'm meant to do this. Hmm. My, I'm not good at anything else. I'm good at writing and speaking and okay. acting. That's it. I'm good at making people. Part of it is this. Part of it is, part of it's this. I'm a very emotional person. My emotions are usually extreme compared to the people around me. That's my natural state of being that comes off funny. So I just meant to do this. <laughs> and what, what's actually no i, I want to i'd say what has been this is a good question i want to think of how what makes what makes stand-up better than other art forms would you say it's not better it's like the worst <laughs> the worst um i don't think it's better so i don't it's, it's its own thing. I would consider it more uh, along the lines of jazz than any other art form, but jazz is a high art form and comedy is a low art form. Comedy celebrates what's at the lowest. Last night I performed in a strip club. That's what comedy is. It's, it's at the lowest of everything. <laughs> and it celebrates it. It celebrates what it is. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> What is a quote that you would say that, that has guided you through life? I don't really. Uh, I, I can tell you something that's not funny, that's like really personal, or I can tell you I, it's, I don't really have like one particular quote. I have this like when in doubt lean out which means if you're not sure if you should do something don't do it but that doesn't ring true with comedy is almost the opposite we're supposed to speak before we think by the time you've thought about it, it you lost the moment and lost the timing ah and so you, your advice your so what is your so your advice for comedians i wake up this is the this is the intimate thing I wake up just about every morning. I say the prayer of St. Francis. I'm not born Christian. So it's just that that prayer really says something about the best way to live in life. If you're familiar with the prayer, it's really about how you give to others and asking for the strength to give to others before you give to yourself. Hmm. Isn't there something like service due to others is your pay and rent or something on heaven? But I don't, I think that pays off in the day to day. Okay, cool. That's, that's quite a profound message there. <laughs> that's why I said that's a, I don't really have like a, a quote quote, but in trying to answer your question. Well, I just want to say, um, thank you very much for coming. Um, thank you for having Could you, yeah, let us, let us know where, where you, where they can find you, like where, where we can find about you and tell us about so it. You so please download Viva Live TV. It is a streaming service. Some of the channels are free, including the comedy channel, BMG Channel 35. That's where you can find The Mating Game, which is my dating show. You can also go to my YouTube page. I'm always putting things out on YouTube. And that's at Simon underscore says laugh. That's Simon says laugh, but with an underscore in there. Um, 
as well as my Instagram, which is Simon Says Laugh. You can see clips of my dating show as well as little YouTube videos I've made, including Cooking Clean with Sharon, where I show how I eat, how I cook, which is pretty pathetic. So it's pretty funny. Whoa, I'll have a look at that. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed Sharon. I found it very insightful and fantastic. Uh, again please leave us a review on itunes if you liked it and share it with people you don't like if you didn't like it <laughs> but yes i've been marvin hope you've enjoyed it uh and sharon have best of luck with everything take care best of luck to you best and of luck to you be safe and have fun while you can as best as you can with things opening up i'm happy for you yeah, I hope it hope it happens back in New York soon as well, man. We we got the capital of comedy needs to be going, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And back home, everyone. Um, I hopefully hope I'll see you at the next episode. And make sure you check Sharon out. Okay, take care.